Welcome to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Now your host, Jason Miller. Welcome to the show. Today we're talking about the Federal IT Acquisition Reform Act, or FATARA. The House Oversight and Government Reform Committee issued its seventh scorecard on December 12th. In this first segment, I sat down with Congressman Will Hurd, the chairman of the House Oversight and Government Reform Subcommittee on IT, which held the hearing, to talk about FATARA and his priorities for 2019. Let me start with the FATARA, FATARA 7.0 scorecard. And I had an interesting conversation and an interesting discussion with Rod Turk, the C- acting CIO at Commerce. And he brought up this idea of FATARA. And, and I wanted to get your uh, insights and input on what he said. And, and I'll sum it up briefly by saying this is the first time that the Commerce Department CIO's office has, has released guidance for budget planning for 2020 to their bureaus. And then he met with each of the component CIOs to talk about that budget planning when it came to IT. And it gave him a a view that he really, and no one at Commerce had ever really had before. And then it also helped him deal with shared services. And and to me, that was the perfect example of both the spirit and the intent of FATARA. There's plenty of other important things around it. But when you hear a story like that, when you hear other stories, is that what your goal was? Is that that what the goal of the, the law really is in your view? The goal of the law And the goal of the scorecard was to drive positive behavior to ensure that we are defending digital infrastructure and doing things to protect um, citizens' information. The CIO of the agency or department should have full insight and authority over all of the software and hardware that's in that enterprise that they're responsible for protecting. Because you can't hold someone accountable if they don't have the responsibility to manage their networks properly. So, so I would agree with that. Another good example is adding the Megabyte Act onto the Fatara scorecard. The Megabyte Act basically says something very simple. You need to know all the software you have on your systems, and you need to know how all, all the licenses uh, that you have on your system. There's tools to do that. It's very simple. When Megabyte was first introduced, the number of departments that understood or knew how much licensing they were using was pretty low. I think it was less than four of the departments and agencies of the 24 um, agencies um, of the CFO Act. And now I think all but four um, have a handle around this. And one of the things that moved the needle was the fact that Congress was continuing to show focus and review and doing oversight on a particular, on on that kind of behavior. When you talk to agencies and when you meet with them, and I I know you do it beyond just the scorecard every, you know, twice a year scorecard, are you seeing a change in that CIO's authority, the responsibilities, or, and I know you can't, it's hard to blanket across every agency, but what change are you seeing time and again, or what trends are you seeing? The trends that we're seeing is uh, one thing that can be monitored, and this was also in Fratara, is making sure the CIO is reporting to the agency head or the deputy agency head. All but eight um, have that reporting authority, and that means that the agency head, the, the chief executive of that department or agency, values IT, values cybersecurity, because that person is directly in their chain of command. So that has, has changed behavior. We've also had to make sure that the internal struggles within department and agencies between CIOs, CFOs, uh, for that authority. That's one of the reasons we've had to pass legislation to make sure that the managers, the, the operational arm of the agency, the people that do CIO, the CIOs, have control, and it's not just the procurement officers. 
And, and so that is something where we are ensuring the CIO has more insight into their agencies and are able to get things done that need to get done. This is all the changes that Fratara has designated ensuring that the CIO is the CIO. You know, there were several agencies where you had 10, 15 people with the title of CIO. No, that would never happen in the private sector. One person is a chief information officer. And that person is responsible for all of the the digital infrastructure within that entity. I know, generally speaking, there's no end point of FATAR implementation. At no point will, will you say or will anyone say, boom, we're done, move on. But when do you feel like that this law will be successful? Can you point to, a whether it's a, from a scorecard perspective, every CIO has what or every CIO is doing what? What would say this is a successful implementation? The goal of FATARA was to strengthen the role of the federal CIO and to make sure that agencies were, were following agile development and they understood the risk within their, um, within their networks. All of those things are already happening, right? So I would say that FATARA has been successful, and this is not an end goal. This is a constant state. You should be thinking about modernization all the time. This is not, you know, because when the next set of tools come in, or the next set uh, you know, uh, techniques that can be used uh, to defend your, your hardware and software come in, we need to be introducing that and using that. And so I believe that the transition from a Fatara scorecard to a digital hygiene scorecard is what's going to, once we, once we have that change, it will prove that Fatara has been working because Fatara is the base that we have been able to stand upon to, to look at these other things um, that are important when it comes to good digital hygiene. Now, you've mentioned the cyber hygiene scorecards, the digital hygiene scorecards several times. How close are we to making that transition? Do you, do you see that Fatara 8, Fatara 9? Well, we... it's already started, right? So we, we've added Megabyte. We previewed FISMA scores. Um, we're adding scores for the use of the MGT working capital funds. That's the Modernizing Government Technology um, Capital Fund. If you're using an MGT working capital fund, that means you're the culture within your organization is based on pursuing modernization. So these steps have already happened, and we're monitoring the original 5-6 principles within FATARA as well. I want to shift over to another bill that uh, got through the House in the last couple of weeks is the CIO Authorities Bill. It's interesting when I put a message out on Twitter saying, hey, this bill passed, the number of retweets, the number of people who talked about, hey, this is a great bill, hey, this is so important, I, I was, to be honest, a little surprised. <laughs> so, so maybe talk a little bit about the bill itself, and then why do you think that the reaction has is, is been what it is, which is very positive? Well, we've been trying to make IT issues and IT procurement a sexy topic, um, and so I I think the reason people think this, this CIO authorities bill is good is because they've seen the value of what we've been doing with Fatara. If we're strengthening the CIO within an individual agency component or department, then why are we not strengthening the role of the CIO across the federal government to make sure that there's somebody there that can ensure that these standards and, and rules that we are putting in place are being applied across all of the agencies. And that's why the importance of solidifying the, important, the, the role of CIO, the role of federal CISO, the reporting structures uh, within the government and, and their capabilities is important to codify because we're seeing how it's working at the individual layers. And then you add on top of that the reorganization of DHS and the creation 
of an operational um, cybersecurity arm within DHS and having them be the belly button of protecting the .gov space. And, you know, so now you have an operational arm that could help with the policy piece that the federal CIO will be doing. What's the status of that bill? It's through the House. What are you hearing from your colleagues in the Senate? Uh, it's through the House. We're, we've been working on getting this passed in the Senate. Um, there is likely to be a Senate bill that wraps in a number of various IT bills into one larger bill. And we're working to get the federal CIO authorities into that and get it, get it done and passed before uh, we leave here for Christmas. And the other bill you're talking about, obviously, is the IDEA Act by uh, Congressman uh, Rohana. Uh, are there, is there any others that would wrap into that, as far as you know? Um, you know, all, all the details I don't have, um, but I know we. my goal is to work on getting the, the CIO Authorities Act as part of that larger Senate bill. There's a lot of success that we saw in 2018. The, the CIO Authorities Bill is just one of them. I think that the progress around Fatara is another example. As you look out into 2019, obviously your role is going to change. You're going to go from chairman of the IT subcommittee to potentially, and we'll have to see how things shake out, ranking member of that subcommittee or maybe a different one. Can you talk about just some of your personal goals, plans, sure. and priorities? My behavior is not going to change, right? Because everything I've done has gotten passed in an overwhelmingly bipartisan way continue doing oversight, we're going to still do. I think artificial intelligence is something that I'm going to focus on at the beginning of, of next year. We need a national AI strategy. Artificial intelligence matters because it's going to impact every single industry. I don't care what industry you're in. And most immediately, um, when it comes to cybersecurity, the future of cybersecurity is going to be good AI versus bad AI. And so we need to make sure that we're aligning research when the federal government and the private sector, that we're aligning the standards for a workforce and making sure we're training a workforce of the future. Uh, we need to be making sure that we're working with our international partners on this so that the U.S. and freedom-loving Western democracies are the ones driving how artificial intelligence and the, and the ethics of artificial intelligence is for the future, not China, because guess what? China doesn't care about um, civil liberties. China doesn't care about privacy. Um, these are the things that we should, uh, we're going to be focusing on at the beginning. And I'm still working on our, our Cyber National Guard concept as well to make sure that we have a pipeline of the cyber warriors of the future. Another big issue that's come up just recently is the General Services Administration's Enterprise Infrastructure Solutions EIS contract, a big telecommunications contract. Is that on your radar at all? Are you worried about the transition from the old to the new? And because IT modernization is so tied to that effort. So it's not on my radar. But look, I, I think shared services is something that's important that we should be doing better within the federal government. It will drive down um, our costs and actually increase efficiencies. And whether this new thing can do that or not, I'm, I'm not aware because I haven't gotten down in the weeds. But I'm sure it's something that will, will come to my come across my desk sometime soon. The other piece of this, I think, that looks into it is the TMF, the Technology Modernization Fund. What's the feeling of that as you enter 2019 as well, both from a funding level but also an implementation level? I've always said the meat of the MGT Act was the Working Capital Funds, not the TMF Fund. The TMF Fund is something that helps jumpstart um, agencies that are having a difficult time creating a culture of modernization. And Senate appropriators were rightly um, upset about how OMB had been handling um, information around the TMF, and that has been changed, and, and OMB has made all the right right changes for that. I think we're going to see Senate appropriators put some money in the TMF so that we can continue to help um, all these agencies get to a point 
uh, where they have resilient, nimble, uh, modern digital infrastructure. Do you expect to hold any hearings around MGT or TMF in, in, in 2019? I, I hope so, because I think it's an important tool for our CIOs. It's an important tool to modernize our systems. And, you know, as we've found with Vitara, when you have prolonged oversight over a particular piece of legislation, you actually see it getting implemented and you actually see um, agencies responding. We have to take a break. You just heard from Congressman Will Hurd, the chairman of the Oversight and Government Reform Subcommittee on IT. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to a special edition of Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Today, we're focusing on the Federal IT Acquisition Reform Act, or FATARA. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. This is a special edition of Ask the CIO. We're talking about the Federal IT Acquisition Reform Act, FATARA. There was a hearing on uh, just uh, Wednesday, December 12th. So we're catching up with some of the members of Congress. And for this segment of the show, we're talking with uh, Congresswoman Robin Kelly, the ranking member of the Oversight and Government Reform Committee Subcommittee on IT. Congresswoman Kelly, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you for having me. Let me just start with some basics. The, the FATARA scorecard, generally speaking, it was a lot of good news, which is a, a, a nice change because uh, there's no Fs, uh, about 11 Bs, a couple Cs, in there. Just overall thoughts. Uh, you, you, the hearing was yesterday with uh, HHS. Some overall thoughts about the scorecard. Well, I'm pleased to see that the agencies are taking a serious. They're trying to do their best in improving their score. The idea there's no F and people have moved up. I think that's progress. It's interesting when you talk about progress because one of the things that, that when I talked with Congressman Hurd and when I've talked with others is the crown jewels around really CIO authorities. And do you get a sense that the CIO authorities are changing? Do you get a sense that that's really where the most progress is being made and that has that trickle-down effect to the rest of the software management or the, or the portfolio management or, or even simple stuff like hiring authorities? I think through the hearings and the questions that we've asked and different people on the committee, I think the agencies are seeing the importance of the CIO having more authority and the buck stopping someplace instead of it being chopped up or they have to go to this person who has to go to, to another person and up the ladder. So I think they are seeing the benefit of CIO authority. There is still several agencies that don't have CIOs who report directly to the secretary or deputy secretary or, or the leadership. How big of a concern is that for you? I'm concerned because as a member of Congress, this is something that we've asked for, and uh, it makes sense if all these other agencies are complying and see the benefit of it, why would they not see the benefit of it? Is there something, you know, and, and again, it's, each agency has a case-by-case basis, so sometimes it's hard just to put a big blanket on it, mm-hmm. but is it just a matter of continued oversight and continued kind of like letter writing and questioning, or is there something more that, that you would see that maybe the committee or you would have to do? I hope not. I hope that they're just a little slower on getting on board because you see CIOs reporting. You can look at other entities and actually at other government. I worked for a county government, and the CIO reported to the top person. So it it works, and, and it also works in government. From the FATAR, let me step back away from the scorecard, away from the specifics, but do you get a sense that the, the implementation is going well? Do you get a sense? I mean, when you talk to agencies, when you talk to CIOs, do you get a sense that the, the impact, the, the, I'll call it the spirit and intent of the law, is what you meant it to be? It's, it's having that impact? I think so. I th- I'm sure there are, especially if you speak to Chairman Hurd, there are some things that we want to go 
faster or we wish we were there. But um, I think that, again, there is progress. I expect there to be more progress, and especially with having the CIOs where they are, I think that will help with progress. The other thing related to Fatara is the bill that you co-sponsored around the CIO authorities as well, and, and that got through the House, which is obviously good news. Give, just give me some insights of that bill about why you think it's important, and then we can maybe talk about the prospects of getting through the Senate too. Well, I think it's important that the person who the buck stops with has authority, knows about the budget, is really the resource person and the person that we know we can go to if we have questions instead of having to, you know, go here, go there, go everywhere. There is a person in charge. The bill, what's interesting is obviously it's it's having the federal CIO being a Senate-confirmed position, having a federal chief information security officer, having a permanent position. Those are things that in past administrations, I'm talking about you know, 15, 20 years ago, there was some hesitancy on, but it's interesting to see how that moved. Is that? Do you think that's why the bill is happening today versus happening three years ago, five years ago? You've, the value of that position and, and the role and the title, that's much more clear today than maybe it was, again, 5, 10, 15 years ago? We're trying to bring IT into the 20th 21st century. And I think that there's more of appreciation of technology and how we use it, the benefits of it. And if we're modernizing, this is a part of the modernizing effort. Do you get a sense of what the Senate is going to do? I know when I spoke with Congressman Hurd, he was uh, he was positive, but but he's always very positive. Have you have you talked to any counterparts in the Senate? No, I have. And I don't know if my staff has. These days, you never know. I'll, I'll be positive with Chairman Hurd. <laughs> All right. Very good. Very good. Now, I want to shift over to another bill you introduced or you plan to introduce the uh, Internet of Things, the IoT bill. Talk a little bit about what that bill is and, and why do you think it's important? I think it's important because it helps us safeguard against vulnerabilities, against uh, issues around cybersecurity. We've had, you know, examples of how when we're not protected, there aren't those securities that we are vulnerable, like the event that happened on the East Coast. So that's really what the bill is about, that we're protection, cybersecurity threat, against cybersecurity threats. The bill itself, as you kind of walk through it, it seems to be some just baseline standards. You're not asking for the, the sun, the moon, and the stars when it comes to protecting IoT. Why do you think that this is taking so long to kind of get going? I mean, we can look at so many breaches, and, and while maybe you know, the OPM breach or the target breach is not because of IoT. Cybersecurity should be an easy understanding of why we need more of it. I think uh, change is hard, any change, even though it may be positive. But when you're asking um, industry or people to do something different, I think that, you know, people are going to scrutinize. And it's just hard because it's something different and it's change, even though, Uh, It does make sense what you're saying because of all the things that happen, but uh, it's still tough. One of the things about the the IoT bill is that it it took well over a year for you guys to kind of get through the process. Maybe explain a little bit why it took so long, but also what did you learn from that process as you worked with your staff to kind of develop the bill? I think it goes back to we were trying to institute some type of change. And I think like with any bill, whether it's IOT or whatever bill, it's important to bring people to the table and listen to how they feel about it, what they think. And we listen to, or my staff listen to, lots and lots of different entities, you know, academics, public, government, uh, chambers, you know, so that's what took so long in getting it together. And again, anything a little bit different is going to take a little bit to craft. And also the other thing, um, 
you know, always fingers crossed, but when you do introduce something, we would love for it to get out of committee and, you know, all the hard work that particularly staff has done and, you know, get it to the floor. That That's frustrating, too, when you feel like you have done everything. So we're, I, I guess, trying to dot the I's and cross the T's. Did you learn, was there anything specifically you learned over the last year or so as you've been developing the bill? The, the push towards IoT has continued to grow. You, you know, when I talk to agency CIOs all the time, they talk about the number of sensors they're putting out there and the number of you know, whether it's a Fitbit, right, that, that, that law enforcement maybe wears, that's considered an IoT device, right? So there's this kind of push for more and more. Was there anything you learned or anything that really stood out to you as you heard from the experts? The thing that I think about is what entities have to go through even already to protect themselves and protect the vulnerabilities, how much money is spent already in uh, protecting themselves and protecting the vulnerability. So trying to be, you know, sensitive to that. But also we know that more needs to be done. And the other thing is the ever-changing technical world. Like you might think you have something in place, but then the, the hackers or wh- whomever, you know, catch up with you and you just have to really stay on your toes. It's an ever-changing environment. And I guess I got that appreciation from uh, speaking to different Groups. Do you have a lot of hope for the bill? A lot of times, uh, we were talking about this earlier with your staff that you, you somebody introduces a bill, and then and when you go back and look at the history, oh look, they introduced it last year, and the year before, and the year before, and and finally get some traction after so many years. It seems like to me like IoT is a much one easier thing to understand, but two, it can't wait three, four, five years for traction. Do you get a sense that people understand and and you what's what's your prospects for traction of getting the bill through, whether this Congress or next? Well, definitely, we have to do our educating and our whipping or whatever, you know, you want to call it. We have to do that. But I think that, again, people are sensitive to the issue. Remember, even with uh, Democrats and what happened, not to bring up the election, but all that stuff and how, um, you know, the personal information that was given out. A lot of us, you know, have been affected in different ways. So hopefully um, this is not looked at as... Um, red or blue or partisan. Chairman Hurd and I work spectacularly, you know, together and along with Connolly and Mark Meadows. So uh, hopefully we'll all work together and and in getting this out. And uh, my staff informed me that industry is neutral, so that'll help. So um, we'll see. Fingers crossed again. <laughs> now I know there's a bill in the Senate. Senator Warner has a very similar bill. How closely did you work with him? We worked with them very closely. It's it, we consider it a companion bill. So. Right, well, that's good news. That means uh, there's support. Do you also have? Uh, and I know it's still early. You, you either just introduced it or haven't quite introduced it yet. But do you expect bipartisan support for the IoT bill yet? Do you know that? I'm hopeful that we will attract some of my Republican colleagues. Um, I work in a very bipartisan way and um, have been helped before. So hopefully. Uh, I'll get some help again. <laughs> we, we know that the bill probably won't do much this session. You, your whole big focus is to avoid a shutdown, which is a whole different discussion. <laughs> but, so, but let's look at 2019 a little bit. Uh, we're not sure where you're going to sit and which, which committee, if, 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 if at all. But give me a sense of what your priorities will be. I imagine you'll still be interested in the IT, government management issues. What are some of your hot-button issues or priorities for 2019? When it comes to IT, the other thing that's very, very important to me is workforce development because through all the hearings and being in my district, speaking to my employers, 
people are very, very concerned who the workforce is going to be. I hear it over and over and over. And not that someone has to have a four-year degree. It could be a two-year degree or even coming out of high school, but having some technical acumen and employees are having a very hard time and then in government we're worried about that also because we don't pay as much as you know uh, the outside world and attracting and maintaining people that are in the technical space so that's something I'm very very interested in. We've heard Congressman Hurd talk about his uh, cyber national guard it's, mm-hmm. it's a bill obviously he's been promoting do you, do you expect any similar bills or do you expect uh, how, how do you expect to address the workforce issue from a federal government perspective is there anything that currently that you're thinking about? Well I would go along with his idea I love that idea but also um, working with uh, Congressman Bobby Scott, um, who we expect to be the chair of uh, education and labor, like what can we do um, educationally or vocationally to get um, folks up to speed and interested in the technical slash cybersecurity world? I know Fatara hearings will continue, bring it all the way around. What do you expect to see from as agencies continue to progress from a 2019 as you look forward? What's your hope, what's your expectation from agencies beyond, obviously, more progress and getting better, more A's, less D's, et cetera? You know what? I hope to see that progress, but also I hope to get feedback so they can share with us what they've learned, what they need from us, how we can be helpful to them that as they're progressing, what else needs to be done? Where else do we need to invest? What do we need to invest in? One other thing I just wanted to bring up briefly is around artificial intelligence. Similar to IoT, there's been a big push around AI. A lot of agencies are seeing the value in it, uh, whether it's machine learning, AI, or something more simple as robotics process automation. Uh, Congressman Hurd, in an interview I had with him, also mentioned AI as a priority. Where do you see AI going? Where would you like to see some congressional, if you will, or call it oversight or input into the way that agencies use AI or, or at least secure AI or what's of interest? I think we need to invest more into AI. I think that, um, you know, the United States is supposed to be the innovators, and we're seeing countries like China um, put far more investment into it than than we have. So I think we need to look at that. I think, uh, again, hearings and hearing from agencies that are using it, what are they seeing, and are there pilots that we can do in certain agencies? All right, very nice. Uh, Congresswoman Robin Kelly is the ranking member of the House Oversight and Government Reform Subcommittee on IT. Thank you very much for taking the time today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to a special edition of Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to a special edition of Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Jason Miller. Today, we're focusing on the Federal IT Acquisition Reform Act, or FATARA. In this part of the show, we listen to excerpts from the December 12th FATARA hearing, starting with opening statements from Congressman Will Hurd, Congresswoman Robin Kelly, and Congressman Jerry Connolly. The issue that has commanded the most time and attention by far from this subcommittee during my tenure has been Federal IT Acquisition and Management. This is the seventh time the Information Technology and Government Operations Subcommittees have assembled to review agency FATARA scorecards. Beginning in 2015, committee staff worked on a bipartisan basis with GAO to develop a scorecard to assess agencies' FATARA implementation after these efforts. FATARA scorecard 7.0 shows improvement across the federal government since the prior scorecard in May of 2018. Uh, 11 agencies increased their letter grade, 13 remain the same, 
and there were no decreases. I think this is the first time. One of the key areas the committee has emphasized in FATAR implementation is CIO authority. In particular, the reporting chain for the agency CIO. Eight agencies continue to have an indirect reporting structure and received an entire letter grade reduction on scorecard 7.0. This is simple. A dotted line is not enough. It needs to be real reporting to the deputy or the agency head to show that that organization understands the importance of cybersecurity. Oh. Agency CIO should report directly to the agency head or deputy, period, end of story. No excuses. No excuses. And that's why we're bringing those grades down. Today's hearing features IT leaders from the Department of Health and Human Services. HHS is the largest federal civilian agency with an annual operating budget of over $1 trillion. The agency's IT spending exceeded $5 billion per year in fiscal years 2017 and 2018. HHS started at the low end of the FATARA scorecard, earning a D or D- for the last five scorecards. And to improve its stagnant grades after scorecard 5.0 was released, HHS instituted an initiative called A by May to strengthen its implementation of FATARA. Um, partially as a result of this initiative, the scorecard for on, this, on, on the FATARA 7.0 scorecard, HHS has received a B plus. I think that's pretty good. Uh, it's pretty good hitting the objective. These improvements by HHS are an example of how the FATARA scorecard positively incentivizes agencies to act. The intent of the scorecard, as my colleagues and original co-author of FATARA, Mr. Connolly has pointed out, is not to paint agencies with a scarlet letter. Rather, our intent is to incentivize behaviors and actions that result in better managed and more secure IT resources. HHS still has some work to do, as do all federal agencies, and we will get into some of that with GAO's assistance at today's hearing. But, these, but there are lessons that can be learned from what y'all have done, what HHS has done, um, for others to examine and possibly pursue. Today our subcommittee has released a seventh scorecard, as the chairman said, and it shows real overall progress and it also highlights specific areas that need more attention. As was said, since May, 10 agencies have increased their overall letter grades, 14 are unchanged, and no agencies have fallen an overall score, which is wonderful. Second, 18 agencies received an A grade for their efforts to establish a comprehensive, regularly updated inventory of software licenses. This is more than double the number since the last scorecard. Third, the scorecard identifies an area of concern. Eight agencies receive lower scores because their chief information officers still do not report directly to top leadership of the agencies. Agencies must comply with Klinger-Cohen and those who seek dotted line report structures and unclear flowcharts will not receive credit. The reporting structure has a real impact on savings and budgeting for agency IT. GAO has found that CIOs who do not report directly to the heads of their agencies have a weaker ability to manage IT. Last fiscal year, federal agencies spent approximately $81 million on IT investment. Compliance with FATARA is, a crit is critical to ensuring that agencies can make informed IT investment decisions that result in more modern, efficient, and secure technologies. We continue to preview a new category to grade agencies on their progress to improve their information security programs as required by the Federal Information Security Management Act. The progress revealed in today's scorecard is 
evident that bipartisan oversight works and results in more efficient government. I hope by now, uh, given our quarterly hearings on the scorecard for Patara, we have put to rest the idea that we're going to somehow pass a bill and consider our work done. We're not. Uh, and I assure you in the new Congress, we will be equally diligent in making sure that implementation is followed through. And again, I, I don't think we could have done it without the, the friendship and the cohesion and the cooperation of all four. Uh, the scorecard is an important tool for measuring progress. Uh, but I think the scorecard remains something important. And we've said before, the scorecard is not designed to be a scarlet letter on the back of a federal agency. It is designed to be an analytic tool that helps guide areas, highlight areas for improvement, reward areas that, you know, see, we, where we seem to have achieved, um, and to prod for additional progress. And as a tool for the CIO to go back to the secretary and say, we don't want those kinds of grades again. And here's a plan for how we improve. And that's really what the scorecard and what this hearing is designed to do. Uh, and it's in that spirit we welcome your testimony. We have to take a break. You just heard opening statements from the recent Fatara hearing held by the House Oversight and Government Reform Subcommittee on IT. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to a special edition of Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Latest updates for the armed services and defense contractors. Get our DOD Reporter's Notebook. Welcome back. You're listening to a special edition of Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Jason Miller. Today, we're focusing on the Federal IT Acquisition Reform Act, or FATARA. In this part of the show, we listened to more excerpts from the December 12th FATARA hearing from the House Oversight and Government Reform Subcommittee on IT. We start with opening statements from GAO's Director of IT, Carol Harris, and then we hear from Ed Simcox, the acting CIO and CTO at the Department of Health and Human Services. Here are some key highlights of major progress. On incremental development, when you held your first scorecard hearing in November 2015, 58% of the federal government's software development projects were planning to use a six-month incremental approach. Now this percentage is up to 88%, and 18 of the 24 agencies receive an A or a B on your scorecard. Regarding data centers, collectively the agencies have closed about 7,300 centers and saved approximately $4.5 billion. With software licensing, the number of A's have more than doubled since last year from 8 to 18. But more importantly is a cost savings associated with this area. This year alone, we expect about $714 million government-wide from consolidating these licenses. That's roughly seven times the Central Technology Modernization Fund. The total number of agencies who have changed their CIO reporting structure, where they now report to the agency head, has increased to 16. This progress would not have happened to this extent without your scorecard and oversight. The scorecard's methodology has remained the same as 6.0 and previews possible changes to the incremental development and FISMA areas. First, the scorecard continues to preview a cyber grade that is based 50% on an annual IG assessment and 50% on a self-assessment of how agencies stack up against 10 cyber metrics reported quarterly to OMB. These metrics include intrusion detection and authentication associated with high-impact systems. 
Second, a new method for grading incremental development is under consideration. As you know, the current formula is based on the percentage of software projects delivering functionality every six months. The CIO Council has suggested the scope of projects be expanded to include those that are not primarily software development in nature. The vast majority of projects in that bucket are not delivering every six months. As a result, the application of the new method would have a negative impact on agencies with more of these projects. However, it would also make the area more comprehensive as these non-software projects account for about 31% of the total number of IT projects. At the last hearing, we said there would be major improvements to the grades if agencies simply did three things. Number one, report to the agency head. Number two, establish a working capital fund to reinvest savings. And number three, have a complete software license inventory. Well, the agencies responded, and so far, most have made significant progress on the third. As a result, we saw 11 agency grades go up, including HHS. 13 did not change, and none went down. Right now, the grades are 10 Bs, 8 Cs, 6 Ds, and no Fs. If each agency did these three things again, report to the agency head, establish a working capital fund, and have a complete software license inventory, the grades would be 5 As, 15 Bs, 4 Cs, and not a single D or F. These three actions and associated higher grades are achievable by the next scorecard. Now turning to the Department of Health and Human Services. HHS plans to spend almost $6 billion on IT this year. 80% of this is for operational systems. HHS received a D grade on the first five scorecards, a C on the sixth, and a B on the current seventh. HHS's current acting CIO reports directly to the secretary, but this reporting structure has not been established in policy. Solidifying this reporting is important since the average CIO tenure at HHS is two years. They have had eight CIOs since 2004 and four since 2012. Some positive areas. 97% of their software development projects use an incremental approach. Their portfolio stat savings of $4.4 billion is the highest among the 24 agencies, and they receive an A in the software license area. Their progress to meet data center optimization metrics, however, is rather low and is the main reason for the low grade in this area. Regarding the cybersecurity area, their IG assessment is a 2 out of 5 in each of the 5 NIST framework areas, and they self-report meeting 4 of the 10 OMB cyber metrics. Um, now, uh, Mr. Simcox, you're recognized and I believe you're providing the opening remarks for um, HHS. Thank you for the opportunity to testify before the committee about my department's implementation of the Federal Information Technology Acquisition Reform Act. My name is Ed Simcox, and I am the Chief Technology Officer and Acting Chief Information Officer at the Department of Health and Human Services. Information technology plays a vital role across government, enabling mission, fostering efficient operations, and promoting data, transparency, and allowing cross-agency collaboration. At HHS, FATARA has provided an excellent framework by which we manage our $6.1 billion IT spend, measure success, and collaborate across our federated environment. It has fostered a governance structure at HHS that drives strategic investments across our 10 operating divisions. As we celebrate the fourth anniversary of FATARA's passage, I want to thank the committee for laying this valuable groundwork, which has enabled broad engagement across our department. Our rapid improvement 
from the Fatara 4.0, where we received a D minus, to today's Fatara 7.0, where we have a B plus, would not have been possible without broad collaboration. Working in partnership with GAO, OMB, and Hill staff has been critical. This committee's advice has directly contributed to the IT improvements at HHS. And on behalf of our team, thank you for your counsel, your feedback, and your support during this process. HHS galvanized our federated IT community and department-wide policy officials through our FATARA scorecard initiative called A by May. This initiative is underpinned by three core components, data, dialogue, and delivering results. We call this methodology D3, and it has established a common language at HHS where we can effectively compare performance across our operating divisions. Internal data reporting has empowered the department to rapidly increase investment in high-risk, mission-critical IT initiatives. <coughs> Through dialogue, HHS expanded understanding of FATARA from an IT law to a law designed to support mission delivery through the effective use of technology. And in delivering real change, HHS has developed its first enterprise-wide software license inventory, which consists of over 4 million licenses across 12,000 software publishers. We fully support the spirit and intent of the MGT Act. We believe it is vital for modernizing HHS information technology. We believe that HHS's non-recurring expense fund provides HHS the ability to meet the goals of the MGTX IT Working Capital Fund under current law. IT projects funded through our non-recurring expense fund include critical updates to cybersecurity, cloud migration, Medicare appeals automation, and modernizing, modernizing IT systems at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. As the lead department responsible for health care and public health in the United States, HHS understands and respects the importance of protecting critical infrastructure from cyber attacks. We recognize cybersecurity must be embedded in everything that we do at HHS, in our DNA, if you will, not just a separate focus. We recognize that a robust department-wide, risk-management-driven cybersecurity framework is needed to address scorecard metrics and is needed to reduce our exposure. The truth lies in the data. We achieved high scores by following instructions and using data to drive conversation, collaboration, and change. FATARA was signed into law almost four years ago, and I can say that it has created a culture shift within HHS. At HHS, we like to say FATARA is both a law and a lifestyle. We appreciate our collaboration with the committee and the staff and acknowledge Fatara's impact as a driver for improvement. That's all the time we have for today. This was a special edition of Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Today, we focus on the Federal IT Acquisition Reform Act, or Fatara. I'm Jason Miller, and thanks for listening. You've been listening to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 10 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. 